Welcome to Define, the podcast making the most important projects in DeFi easy to understand and accessible to all. This week, we sat down with three contributors from Olympus DAO who are working to build a decentralized reserve currency using bonds. Thanks a lot for coming on the podcast today, guys. It's super cool to be here with Olympus. So, you know, generally, we like to kick things off and kind of hear from our partners and, and hear how they, they kind of got along into crypto. So take it away, guys. I'm Glue Eater. I'm a stratego over in the Olympus DAO, head up partnerships. I got my start in crypto, you know, I think in a pretty standard way. It was a coworker in my normal job yelling about Bitcoin and he talked about it a lot and I ignored him probably to my own detriment. That was my, my like first experience with have fun staying poor meme. Um, but eventually I found, uh, Ethereum. I, I like saved my very first Google search for Ethereum and I, I read the white paper, learned about smart contracts and then dove in from there. Um, I've been around since Maker launched Single Collateral Die, which has, I guess, now been reprised with LUSD. It's been a bit of a journey. I've been in DeFi since then, and it's been fun to just like hop around and learn from different DAOs. I'm Abby Pup. I am a policy stratego over at Olympus. So I head up the policy team there. Uh, and I got my start in crypto. I think the first time I really heard about anything crypto related was Bitcoin. I mean, everyone is like the perennial story. Everyone's like, oh, I heard about Bitcoin on the news or by a, a coworker or a friend or whatever. Didn't pay attention to it, of course. So I was poor. Uh, I had fun with that. And the next time I really heard about crypto logically was uh, Ethereum. And I remember seeing a video by, uh, like of a, of an interview of Vitalik and him explaining what ethereum was and i'm just like i don't get this at all like at all so let me learn a little bit more about it and so from there my journey was just learning more about how ethereum works and how it's different than uh bitcoin and uh kind of jumped into DeFi from there this was all around probably 2017 and uh so i rode that i rode that wave up and i rode that wave down and uh did some mining uh still doing a little bit of mining now even even now just taking my my graphics cards into the ground i think at this point and yeah i did a little dabbling i think my first experience in DeFi was was getting wrecked real hard in uh in in dydx and just getting just margin called like i i, I think that or i guess closed down or whatever the position whatever that's called on dydx a couple of times i was like that was fun so i'm going to exit this casino and just hold my eth until you know the rest of DeFi kind of picked up Nice. Did you get the airdrop? Nope, sure didn't. <laughs> yeah, that was not fun to see everybody. It's like that Squidward meme where uh, he's just like standing in the window and then like SpongeBob and Patrick are like dancing outside. I felt a lot like that. <laughs> yeah, you go through a lot of those moments in DeFi for sure. So I'm Jeff. Some may know me as Jeff X. I'm over at the Dow. Do a lot of smart contract work over there. How I got started in crypto Pretty much was, you know, just playing online poker in the States. It wasn't legal, so I had to deposit through Bitcoin. And basically, still don't know what Bitcoin was. I had deposited back in like 2016, back when I was like making a few hundred dollars. Fortunately, I, I didn't win until like six, seven months later. And when I cashed out is when I really started getting into it because there was some third-party exchange where, you know, you could just do a, you know, sell $200, you know, sell a Bitcoin or I guess at that point, it was like, you know, a tenth of a Bitcoin for, hey, I can make 10% and, you know, sell 220. So I thought that was the best. But, you know, obviously now we see holding is just the best strategy. But no, that got me into it. And, you know, 
kind of took a few months off, put in some Bitcoin and some Ethereum, took a few months off. Then, you know, kind of when DeFi summer started picking up, I, you know, got back into it. And yeah, the rest, the rest is history. So pretty, pretty short on my way. Nice, man. It's, it's good to kind of get everyone's color on, on how they got into the space. Something, uh, another kind of motif that we, we, we go for is, is asking our projects, like how they would kind of define their, uh, there's the, the keyword define, how they would define their, their projects. If they had just met someone at a, at a dinner party, you know, this is something that is pretty challenging. I think for anyone working in crypto, but especially in DeFi is to kind of, is to educate. So, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to hear how you would, speak to a, a no-coiner about Olympus DAO? You know, I think it's actually kind of funny. Um, I struggle with this, to be perfectly honest. I'd be curious to, to toss it around the table and get, like, everyone's one-liner from the Olympus side. Because we, we honestly don't have, I think, a common answer that, that, that's on there. Um, you can go to the website and see it, but I, I'd have a, a good time wanting to hear uh, the other folks of the call. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because... <laughs> it's funny because, you know, whenever I, I'm like, well... It's, it's, you know, a protocol where it takes in assets through bonding. So I'm like, each token is backed by a dollar, but it's not pegged to a dollar. And then, but, you know, explaining it like that, it kind of, you know, just sounds like, you know, it's a Ponzi or something. So, um, <laughs> gosh, it, it is something it's rough to explain, especially somebody who may not, you know, be involved in crypto, you, you know, or involved in, you know, even like economics, something like that. So it's, I agree with glue where it's, it's a difficult one. So last but not least, I'm going to, I'm going to toss the final answer, the, the final answer to, to Addy pup. <laughs> I, I've tried to do this before to like friends and family. And yeah, I think it's like, like glue and, and Jeff said, I, I just feel like you're going back to memes because I love memes that Charlie meme where he's like trying to explain the conspiracy theory. And I'm like, this is own. Like it's, it's really simple if you just look at it and it's like all these strings everywhere. I think if I were to put into as short of a problem statement and like what Ohm like helps to or is attempting to solve mm-hmm. as short as possible. I think one one of the things that I always come to is why is everything denominated only in US dollars? And like why is that a problem or could be a problem? Why are we relying so much on like a certain few kind of very powerful people to uh, dictate how much stuff is worth a bit indirectly, but still in a, in a quite a real sense, how much, how much our tokens are worth when, when we, you know, when we trade them around. So, and why is our liquidity kind of based on that? So I try to frame it like that to, to, to explain that the purpose of Olympus in that light is to, in a, in a way, reduce our alliance or our reliance in DeFi on just like one single point of failure for our, kind of liquidity in our valuation over the long term when you come up with that that framing and you know i was gonna i was gonna kind of add that before like just from my own experience when i'm trying to describe stake DAO to to someone to, that has zero or little understanding of DeFi, it's impossible to kind of do it without explaining you know the problem right as you guys kind of got onto and i mean how much success do you have at BPUP when, when you saying, okay, here, this is the issue of USD is the global reserve currency and, and stuff. I mean, how much success do you have? I think it depends on the person. Like for, for example, like my brother was like super, he didn't, he didn't like, 
it, it, it was very difficult for him. He's like a super smart guy. And so it, he was just like trying to get really deep into like, but how does this work? Like, it's never going to replace the U.S. dollar and like all this other stuff. I was like, whoa, whoa. We're like, we're just like the scope just like tends sometimes like just like blows up and you have to, like you said, take a step back and just like try and explain everything. And then it just like when you're trying to do that, it, it, it just kind of blows up. Uh, but other people were like, oh, like I get it. That kind of like makes sense. And if trying to keep it on that kind of high level without getting lost in the weeds seems to be seems to have given me the most success. Yeah, I'll come behind that and say, I think one of the most successful variants of the pitch I've given to, to people that aren't in crypto is I open up and ask, how do you define value of anything? And generally, it's social consensus. And the part that Ohm really seeks to solve is that it's no longer just social consensus. There's actually a backing of some known value of various assets. And and somehow that's landed. I think for a lot of folks, they're like, oh, I get it. Like, it's not just, you're not only backed by everyone holding, you're backed by the, these actual mechanisms that that accrue value that that stand behind each token. And and how do you pitch the, the implications of that? So I think the, the implications of having the actual backing versus say like a peg is that you know at the end of the day even when ohm trades at a premium there is a there is a value assigned to each token versus uh, as we uh, i think have talked about early in the existence of olympus all other tokens tend to not have a true backing and as we proliferate olympus pro throughout um, DeFi, and i think we we've been coining the term uh, DeFi 2.0 uh, as, as the fall approaches here, it's that more and more tokens will, will ascribe to this philosophy as well, that you you need some level of protocol-owned liquidity so that your your token has an insured value and also liquidity available for your community to participate with. I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting point, but I guess I was thinking more for the for the sake of this no coiner, as it were. What are the implications for them of of having a currency that is not backed, you know, by USD, for instance? Ah, uh, okay, yeah, actually, that's a sorry, I misinterpreted the question. Yeah, totally cool, man. I think the way to think about that is we're often inspired by uh, the moment the U.S. dollar was removed off the gold standard, and I think our community thinks about Ohm as this variant of. Reimagining what would have happened if we had stayed on some type of standard with some true backing versus creating a system where we can just infinitely print and infinitely inflate currency. Abby posts on our policy team, so he might, he might have some much stronger feelings than I do on how to explain it to a no coiner. The gold standard kind of analogy is, is always kind of like what I go to there. And it's kind of funny because like the older generations, I think might get that a little bit easier if they were kind of aware of economics back in the day, back in like the Nixon days, more like more easily than, you know, like the younger generation, like millennials would be like, what do you, what is the gold standard? I think if you, if you asked a lot of them. So it's just kind of funny where it's like, this is the one case where older people might understand this better than younger people uh, on, on, uh, in, in DeFi. But yeah, so I, I think there's an important implication there to say that we're backed by something real and not just faith-based or 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 as glue said like socially you know accepted based so there's real there's real value behind each token that you hold that you know you can um rely on and there's that reliance same as like you can rely on this gold that's backing the u.s dollar back in the 1960s and 70s you can rely on that and there's 
I think, a level of trust that you can get from that that you can't get from just that consensus, that social consensus. It'd be super interesting if, if you guys could dig into the, the mechanism and explain how, how it achieves it. A bond, if I'm going to explain this to someone who doesn't really know what a, what a bond is, what I'd start with is a bond is a note that guarantees a certain payback in a certain period of time. So if we were to take the example of the U.S. dollar, a bond would mean that you give the government you know, a certain amount of money and the government promises to pay you back a certain more amount of money after a certain amount of time. Olympus has kind of taken that and shifted it a little bit to mean that a user sells their tokens, uh, their asset to OM and OM Olympus in exchange after, in our case, five days, promises to return the amount of OM back to them plus some certain premium or, yeah, I guess a, a premium that's defined by the market. So all that to say, a user will provide the liquidity that they currently own to Olympus in exchange for the OM token at a discount. So the, the user will gain maybe 5%, 10% of their principal within the five-day span. And the impact of that is that the, the user now owns own token and Olympus Treasury now owns these real assets that back the tokens uh, that are, 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 are generated by that sale. I was just going to add, and, and the assets that are collected right now are actually a, a pretty big variety. We started with DAI, expanded to the LP token of OMDAI, and then we added FRAX, and similarly the, the liquidity of OMFRAX, and um, then added Ethereum, and more recently, Liquidity's LUSD, and then again, OMLUSD as a liquidity pair was added as a bond type. And over time, we've seen how uh, the market becomes more and more competitive to compete for, as Abby Pup mentioned, some type of discount to the OM token. And it, and it just continues onward here as we add more and more bond types. Amazing. And, and how does the the rebase mechanism fit into the picture? I can I can definitely answer this one. So yeah, rebases occur every 2200 epochs, so about every eight hours. So it happens about three times a day. Basically, it will rebase the SOM token, which is the state dome token, is the rebasing token. The distributor contract has a, you know, it built in where it says, hey, you know, when an epoch is finished, look at the ohm supply and mint X percent of the supply. I think right now might be 0.3, maybe 0.25% of the supply. It then sends it to the, uh, the staking contract. The staking contract then pulls out to the actual SOM contract, which looks at the difference between the circulating amount of SOM and the amount of OM in the staking contract. Then the difference between those two numbers is the actual, you know, the rebase for that amount. Then it does some math and bada bing, bada boom, SOM is rebased. <laughs> that was the uh, basic technical dive. I, I actually have not heard that announced on a podcast. So <laughs> Exclusive for Define. Amazing. I guess something backing up a little bit, you know, you guys have kind of, you know, with this mechanism, you guys have had a, a huge amount of success. I mean, the rise has been pretty meteoric, you know, I mean, you know, how do you imagine the product maturing over time and like how, you know, what applications of OM do you think this will mature into? 
Yeah, this is a great question. I think to the, to the point just made about rebases and APY and such, we are in an expansion phase doing quite aggressive growth and user acquisition to, to people being familiar with these mechanics. Uh, and we're, we're really excited about it. I think that's one part of what our strategy is. Over time, you'll see us more integrated throughout DeFi. You've seen two so far, one with the Rari Fuse pool, pool number 18, and um, Abracadabra. And that was a, really the, the probably the predominant use that a lot of folks are in DeFi, which is borrow lend. But we're really excited to explore new use cases with Ohm and really uh, cement it as a de facto reserve currency throughout DeFi. One of the really basic ones that we are really exploring, I think Abby Pup and I just got out of a call discussing this, where where Ohm is paired to more to more tokens. I think if you visit sushi.com today, you can actually see Ohm as one of the common pairs. Uh, we've been trading as, as one of the top pairs there for a while, um, and, that, and that's mostly by product of our own liquidity. But we're, we're really looking at other partnerships, strategic alliances to really get the flywheel going. I'll say one that I'm, I'm super excited about, we're, we're executing our DAO swap here today-ish or yesterday, Ms. Tokamak. Um, so you'll see more and more utility for Ohm throughout the ecosystem and also more and more strategic alliances with, with folks like the Tokamak team uh, going forward. At the very highest level, you can't be a great reserve currency if you're not somewhat ubiquitous. So the idea is to get, you know, Olympus name and Ohm in in, in every it, try to get it in as many trades, as many hands, as as many wallets as, as possible and, and to get as thick as liquidity as you can so that all of the kind of long term trades and holds uh, happen, hopefully through Elm. I guess the the question or the challenge there is around the USD value and the, the you know, the volatility of that. And how do you guys mitigate that? Totally. Yeah, that's that's what I was kind of uh, kind of alluding to with that kind of long term situation, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so one thing that I think is really important to note is, you know, we started off uh, in our treasury, I think as Glue said, with DAI only. And so that's, you know, obviously pegged to the U.S. dollar as a long term vision, you know, own. The OM Treasury and OM tokens should be backed not just by the U.S. dollar, because then that kind of defeats the whole purpose of like, you know, what I was talking about before. You know, the purpose is to essentially become a representative basket of currencies, of assets. So Bitcoin, Ether, you know, even even other DeFi tokens around. We hold a lot of DeFi tokens actually in our treasury right now and in it. It all helps to, you know, in, in its own way, in their own small ways, reduce our reliance on, you know, that, that U.S. dollar. So every time we take in an ETH bond, you know, we're reducing our reliance on that U.S. dollar. And so long term, the effect of that is, you know, uh, moves up and down of the U.S. dollar as the Fed keeps, you know, printing more and more money uh, impact us, you know, less, too. Right. And so, you know, there's a, there's kind of a few I suppose there's a few different kind of people in space trying to trying to tackle this issue. And I mean, who do you see Ohm's competitors as and what kind of fundamentally sets you aside? So on the competitor question, I actually don't, and I don't know if Jeff and Abby Pub agree with this. So take this as my personal stance, but I don't see many protocols being competitors in this space. Um, I think we're all building together. And one of the the ethos that we share within the partnership team is that um, in DeFi, one of the things that I, I, I particularly noticed lacking prior to joining more into Olympus is that 
folks didn't want to work together, mostly because of the competitive mindset. And and to me, we're all just trying to build different Lego pieces together. And we, and we want to build a, a stronger ecosystem. So so to us, there's lots of protocols out there that, that share maybe a similar look. But to me, I don't, I don't find many competitors, if any, out there threatening to us as Olympus. I totally agree with that, actually. I, I, I would be, I think, pretty specific in saying that the only competitor I, I would I would say is someone who you know up and rips off our our our, our entire code base and forks us and you know whatever else. Like those people are obviously like competitors because they're just taking what we you know have built and like done you know possibly a little bit to it, but with the intention of just maybe taking our you know, market share or taking users from us with not really added value. And I think the difference that I would see between someone like that and someone who has a currency that they are maybe not pegged, but is doing other things and has maybe other intentions and uses is that we can work together for that. There's no working together with someone who forks our code because there's no value add with us like working together. So I would say, yeah, at a high level, it's like we, I, I, I love working with people even if they are in this in, in a similar space as us because you know and, it, and it's it's a, a main reason why we are holding tokens of our of our olympus pro partners is you know the success of one is the success of all and we and, and we all bring ourselves up by by succeeding together at this juncture i think it'd be salient to talk about olympus pro and and how the platform that you guys launched uh, obviously we've we've just launched on it a week or two ago you know, with the context of what you guys are building, how does Olympus Pro fit into the picture? Yeah, awesome question. Awesome question. I, I alluded to earlier in that out of order <laughs> response I had. So Olympus Pro is at a super high level is an abstraction of the bond mechanisms we discussed previously. So it's allowing other protocols to quickly spin up a way to capture their own protocol own liquidity where their user can provide some principal token and then they get paid out in a, in a different payout token that is at a discount. We chose to go this route because we saw the need to really upend and and stop the the kind of vicious cycle that liquidity mining started, uh, which was this, the, the impetus for DeFi summer. Right? It was was this awesome theory we all had where you would provide liquidity and you would get some free tokens, and then the unfortunate turn of events was that that the whales would turn around and then dump those free tokens and and ruin retail for everyone and cause severe and permanent loss. So so. What, what we see, sought to do was basically find a way to alleviate that sell pressure and also remove the impermanent loss fears from, from the community members that, that want to see these protocols succeed. I've participated in a number of pull twos, uh, admittedly. And, and it was because I, I want to support these protocols. I, I want to provide liquidity to, to make sure that they can keep going. Right. But at the end of the day, if I could just keep accumulating more governance tokens and more of the protocol, that would be my preferred mechanism. And so what Olympus Pro is doing for the user and for these protocols is is helping them get the same thickness of liquidity, the same assurances for their community for trading, getting discounts on their favorite protocols assets. The the other thing that I think for us as Olympus that's beneficial here is that we we have skin in the game too with all our partners. We want to ensure that our protocols can succeed. And so we take in a small amount of the governance tokens that are, that are bonded. And that, that really, that as Abby Pub mentioned, adds to our backing and makes us more invested in, in the partnership going forward. Because obviously the success of our partners is again, Olympus's backing success. And it, and you can almost reimagine it as just this long treasury diversification event for, 
for our team. There's more and more tokens coming in. The the more partners we launched, the more the DeFi ecosystem is tied into the backing of Olympus and the better success we all will have. I suppose it kind of ties into the kind of open collaborative uh, approach that, that you guys are taking and also how you view competition as well which is, is super cool. And it's just, we're at an interesting juncture with, with, with regulation, right? Obviously, for a long time, there's kind of been this, this question around what happens if Tether fails? You know, what happens if US regulators move adversely against USDC or something? And how do you see this, the way that the, the space is maturing with regards to like reserve currencies? And, and, and where do you guys fit in? I think that's a fantastic question. One that I, I, I feel like we've, we've thought quite a bit about in, you know, the policy group because, you know, as, as the folks who are taking, thinking a lot about the, the monetary policy of, of the protocol, we do a lot of risk analysis in, um, you know, in, in our, in our, uh, kind of everyday workings. And, and obviously we see a lot of risk from, you know, regulatory environments. So, yeah, especially from, you know, uh, the United States. So. <laughs> The elephant in the Which room. Is, yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's uh, it's unfortunate. We love our we love our Fed chairs, but you know, it's 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 very interesting to see how you know how that turns out. And that's I think another really important thing that DeFi, as much as competitors as some people tend to feel against each other, like we all need to be banding together to mature ourselves, like 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 you said, and to work to educate the people who are making the regulations who will have an impact on us to and, and work with them to, you know, I think help them understand where, you know, what we are, what we do, you know, not just from like an Olympus side, we can talk about from the Olympus side, but just from the overall like decentralized finance perspective. Who was it? Liz Warren, who was talking about like all these shadowy super coders who are like doing all this stuff in the, in the background, like in their mom's basement or whatever. And it's just like, that's not, that's not really what we, what we do. So I, I feel like, you know, f- from the regular, from the regulatory environment, like we need to, we need to be very outspoken in how we, you know, how we conduct our, our ourselves and, and, and what we, what we were trying to achieve here. I, I, I think like it's not just all scams as, as people's moms and dads might, might, might think. And, and to that end, I think, you know, we're all, I think, trying to mature at least from, from the Olympus side. Like I said before, like I touched on before, you know, one of the ways that we're, we're maturing is, is reducing our reliance on centralized assets, like, like a bit. Uh, Dai, for example, has some centralized assets that back them in their peg. And I think Lou touched on before, you know, we're, we're starting to intake LUSD in our treasury, which is completely uh, about as decentralized as you can get in its backing. I won't do like a super deep dive on how it works, but essentially, you know, it's, it's backed by Ethereum itself, which is probably one of the most decentralized assets. I think we can agree on that. Um, so it's, it's decentralized, uh, decentralization factor is very, very high. Um, and what that leads us to is the, the, the non-reliance on centralized factors, i.e. people and, I think that we're seeing a lot of that in in the space in general too. Uh, I think Rai is another great example of of a bit hands off approach for you know achieving stability too. So it seems like we're we're all moving in a direction of uh, you know not having people you know people's hands on the wheel uh, as it were. 
and to come behind all that, I think one addition be- besides just like the backing of the treasury and, and maybe Jeff can add more to what I'll say here is that on-chain governance is coming soon. And we're, we're excited to, to bring that level of decentralization to the product. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, on-chain governance is something that we, um, we are aiming to do really relatively soon, hopefully within Q1 of this coming year. And yeah, it's just something, you know, we, you need a very, you know, distributed supply as well as active community engagement in order to do that. And I think Olympus has both of those. So I'm, I'm very excited for the, uh, you know, rolling out the on-chain governance and having everything fully on-chain, which will be, which will be great and make it the true nature of, of DeFi. We'll help it, you know, really be a part of that, that, uh, decentralization that, that, that we need in DeFi. Amazing. Just on the topic of, of governance while we're there, people are just starting to really explore the logistics and the, the philosophy behind DAOs. And it would be super interesting to hear about how you guys organize the DAO and, you know, what challenges you've faced. Yeah, I'm happy to just give a high level and, and let the guys chime in on, on their personal experiences. Or maybe we can do our personal experiences first. So I, I joined the DAO in the early days. I think they launched a separate server, which is this is my high level comment. There, there's actually the, the Discord we advertise, which filters you in and is, is kind of the, the main community server where you get the experience of one of our, one of our folks is named Dude My Guy and he started a Sherpa activity. So we have a lot of volunteers that actually help new people get through the process and journey of joining Olympus. And then we have our DAO server where we where it's in the banner, it just says work only. So it's, it's a server where we break into different work streams. Uh, we have, we do project based work typically. And then we have, um, as Abby Pup and I mentioned in the front side of the call, strategos that help try to just point the effort towards the right stuff. I mean, we work alongside the Genesis team to, to get that going. Jeff is part of the Genesis team. I might pass the mic to him just to say how he got involved with Olympus generally. But from the DAO perspective, it's it's really a choose-your-own-adventure game. You, you do role selection, self-assigned roles. There's a bit of an application process for each place, but it's it's not an application in the sense that it's meritocratic. It's the sense that the strategy just need to know what you're strong at and what you want to be doing. So there's a bit of a process just to get ramped up get you the right information, get get the different DAO members to know who's joining and then and then get them pointed in the right direction. Yeah, I'll talk about my journey. Yeah, I got I was in Olympus back. I actually heard of that attack in October, November area through a mutual connection that myself and Zeus had. And you know, I, I heard about the idea back then, months before development even started. I was like, wow, this is such a crazy, you know, such a great idea. I was kind of almost surprised that something like it wasn't already out there and i guess that's just how early we we really were in, in you know in, in DeFi at that point you know looking coming up at a year from today about and yeah i mean then in january I rolled up and it was it was time to you know got a call from my connection um that me and zeus had and said hey it's time to start working on this and you know just just banged it out for two months and then you know launched in march and here we are seven months later after the launch. I wanted to ask Jeff actually because I'm like Lou. I, I kind of came in when the DAO part of Olympus DAO was really starting to take shape. I'm wondering, Jeff, what your experience, how, how it's changed between, you know, that October, November and like now, mm-hmm. like how things are done. 
Yeah, I would say back, you know, when the, the beginning of development, January, you know, February, March in that area, I mean, it was much more hands-on. It was, it was much easier to get a hold of Zeus back then. <laughs> Obviously, um, he's, you know, he's, he's a very busy guy. But I'd say, you know, change, um, it, it, I like the change. It was nice where, like, like, like Lou said, it was kind of a, it really is a pick your own adventure. I mean, there's still some, you know, core stuff, core responsibilities. But in terms of, you know, hey, you know, this project needs some help with smart contract and all or something like that. It's, um, it's great. I mean, and I'm not too, I'm not in too many DAO servers, or at least I don't, you know, really look at them if I am. But, you know, I think the way Olympus is structured is very, I, I personally think it's, it's structured beautifully. And if somebody wants to come in, it's a pretty, you know, relatively easy onboarding. You know, there's some syncs you can get into, reach out to people, but, I just like how the whole whole structure is, and you know the the, the Discord has ch- different channels for everything. But no, I would say it's it's a little more it's more organized now than it was before. Yeah, that's 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 for sure. I, I remember that when I remember when I was starting to like help out with things, and this was before we had the DAO server even really up and running. And I was like, I don't know who to go to. I don't know really like. I, I want to do this thing. There was a there was a, a a proposal for locked staking of your ohms to come out, which it died. Uh, long story short, but I was hoping to, to try and like kind of figure out what that would look like and how it could work. And this was before we really had like what I would call, consider to be the Olympus DAO, and it was just like, well, I'll just do it, and like that that'll be fun. But there was no like uh, I was just kind of like doing it, and there was no onboarding process like Lou was talking about before. And, and the feeling, the difference between that. And now where I feel like there's a much more fluid structure to you come into the DAO and you kind of have these different role selections like Lou was talking about, and you can kind of choose your own adventure and jump in. And there are these people who are called strategos who kind of try and act as the the, the oil in your engine to kind of reduce all this friction of, of communication uh, between between groups, between different work groups, and try and kind of unstick things if, if things get stuck. Um, and, and that the way that that kind of works, I think, is is really fascinating to see every day because, you know, we're not like... I come so I I come from like a traditional engineering background with like a traditional engineering company and it's like very different than how it feels to work in in, in a DAO and it's just super fascinating to see how you can just be like today I want to work on policy or today uh, oh this this like marketing thing super interests me and I'm gonna go and do that and I don't have a boss telling me like no you can't do that like you gotta stay in your lane or whatever I absolutely love that um, it, it introduces its own challenges in terms of I guess being able to focus the horsepower of your team. And I think we, we can all, all, all three of us here from Olympus can agree. We have a lot of, we have a lot of horsepower on our, in our DAO, but focusing that intelligence of all the, of all the gigabrains we have there uh, takes some work, but it's totally worth it. I, I think it's just a far, far better setup than, than what you see in traditional work. Yeah. I kind of view Working at a DAO is like a utopian version of like the gig economy, you know? Oh, yeah. Totally yeah, yeah, Johnny, Johnny, 100%. I actually... Driving Ubers or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, that's, that's hilarious. I don't know if it was, if that was a release on a podcast I, I did or an AMA. I said that DAOs, DAOs are Uber, but the, the white collar version in the future of work. I right. think it, was for, it was for Agora. It's basically, if we said the gig economy was going to be how we democratize those roles, I'll say that DAOs are how we democratize the, the white collar version. Right. And the first part is being kind of building out the technology. We're building the 
you know, the systems, the social kind of engineering aspects. Yeah, it's it's a big it's a big role and it's hard to organize people, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. I, I, I think that DAO tooling is still in its like infancy. I yeah, I'm, Agreed. I'm, I make no claim that it's so. I, I don't it's think so infant. It's it's not even born yet. I think I, I, I just I feel like it's not. We're not even infants yeah, yet yeah. when it comes to DAOs, but we're, we're we're growing fast. I I just love thinking about how DAOs can can change. Like Lou said, the future of the future of work. I, I really think so. I just wonder. Like I, I was even gonna wonder what your what your guys' opinion on SakeDAO is about. Like, could this transition away from or or become more in the meat space world like this in the what space world sorry meat space sorry uh we use that around in the da- <laughs> it's like re- real real life i we, we call ah, it so, like, IRL. Kind of, <laughs> IRL. yeah 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 personally you know i i kind of think i mean i would like to think that it's inevitable unless there's this sort of massive economic collapse where there's like a you know black swan economic reset you know the way things are trending we're kind of trending towards that right yeah i mean with inequality on the rise and pensions going out the window etc etc like i I would like to think that it's it's an inevitability but yeah i i I guess we haven't really formed a thesis on it yeah it's you know like we said before it's it's very very young so how it could shape out i don't i don't think my traditional engineering job is going to go on discord and like work them (laughs) work via memes and stuff like that you know like it's it's going to be some other in in some other form but yeah i'm super super excited uh, and inspired by by what we do in in, in the DAO in in the way that we do it like su- such a team-based effort that i just don't see how it can't eventually go to like many many jobs i, I don't see how they can't go to something like this agreed yeah and i i think that there there are definitely inherent challenges to overcome i mean i've heard some crazy stories about people hiring programmers to DAOs that turned out to be like a like a programmer farm in 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 somewhere in china or something you know and there's like there's guys like masquer there's like hundreds of guys in this in this warehouse kind of uh posing for you know for roles oh, that's crazy yeah. i've never heard of that that's wild yeah yeah there's i mean it's probably a rarity but yeah like there, there's going to be a lot that of was, that was someone who went from arbitraging on on dexes to arbitraging in the Real world, (laughs) human capital. (laughs) So, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on the show, guys. It's been super fun. Uh, Yeah, really excited to to continue to to see how Stakedow can work with you guys. Of course, we have the the Bonds live on Olympus Pro. But, yeah, thanks a lot. And, yeah, we'll see you in the the metaverse. Thank you so much for having us. Awesome. Fun chat. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Take it easy. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.